welcome to another episode of Cosmos with Cosmos. I'm Liz. I'm Mike. I'm Brandon. Hey! Hey! He's here, and we're back for another episode of High in the Sky for February, February twenty. How do you spell it? That's how you spell it. Yeah, my, my favorite part of the beginning of the show is looking at Mike, because inevitably in the first 20 seconds, he will laugh on his breath every single time. <laughs> every single time. 103 what, episodes what, in a row, he'll laugh under his so breath. What's so funny, Chuckles? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Fancy physics man, just, you oh, know, he gets a little... Don't call me Chuckles. It sounds like a friggin' murder clown. No, that's that's Gacy. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> No, I'm already anyway, anyway, all right, all right. Speaking hey, of which, it's a since it is a, a cosmos with cosmos, even though the cosmos we never have. What y'all drinking? I'm starting off with Brandon. Hi, I am drinking white dielectric material in honor. Uh, yes. uh, you will cover that later yes. on in the episode. Yes. It's just a uh, white Russian with burnt cinnamon stick, which mm. I did on. On, I can't say on air because I just did it before the show began. It was fun. I did the front of the camera, yeah. cut the thing on you fire, did cinnamon, sti- cinnamon smell. Yes. Yeah, I've been lighting mm. my cinnamon sticks on fire for my hot toddies, and mm, it does Ooh, add a little very nice, nice, a little nice yeah. spice to Where it. Where are our matches? Oh, I guess I got matches in the thing. I, I was just using that like long one that has the propane in it or whatever. That oh, Liz, that. Liz is stealing oh, no, no, the matches no, no. to light on fire. No, I was using the torch. I was using your you smoker know, so, torch. You know, to do that either. Oh, you got to use regular matches. Yeah, it's yeah. a butane. Yeah. Well, a, I, I've been slow, like I've been handy. I've been uh, poisoning myself with uh, <laughs> cinnamon sticks. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You don't, I yeah. thought I was so cool using the torch, and I was I mean, getting all fun. comfortable with it. I was like, "Yeah, I'm the torch master." Now <laughs> I'm dying of cancer. But you know the thing is, is like <laughs> blue light. They use it to do the. Yeah, this. So, but so. you're but you're not supposed to. But yeah, that's edible creme brulee or edible butane. Uh, yes, because they make the edible butane. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Anyway, Mike, what are you drinking? I'm drinking what I'm calling a nose first. It was either going to be um, the nose first or the little uh, the little copper that could. Wow. So, brave little copter. Brave nose little copter. First. Um, but this is what it looks like. Um, it's, I mean, it's what it's really called is a Cuban redhead, and it's got uh, white rum in it. It has um, uh, Irish Bailey's cream, also um, coffee liqueur. Um, we use Camora, but uh, you could use uh, Kahlua, either one. Um, Kahlua is going to make it a little more sweet as opposed to the Camora, but also a little bit of creme. Uh, all sitting, all sitting right down there. All nice. sitting at the bottom. Nice. So, now I'm going to be very spots. minty at the end of it. <laughs> minty fresh. Minty fresh. Tastes yes. good. Tastes good. Uh, well, I am drinking uh, Lavender Skies. The Lavender Skies Ooh, today. that's really cool. Uh, and it's basically just a lavender gimlet. So it's uh, yeah. a gimlet, which is gin. Mm-hmm. Take it away. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really simple. It's uh, gin... Uh, lavender, simple syrup, mm-hmm. and lime juice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. I'm, I'm not a big gin fan, but there are a couple gin drinks that I'm becoming well, very Well, I do fan. think that the lavender it's happening. Uh, does mixes very well with the, you know, it's the mm-hmm. herbal tones of gin. Yes. Yes. I'm a big gin drinker. Either. As we are maturing our palates, uh, yeah. we're <laughs> discovering that gin can be used in small amounts to enhance uh, said taste. Yes. Look at us. We're growing up, everybody. We're growing up. I still won't eat eggplant. It's it's not just vodka and OJ anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, of course, follow us on all the things Cosmos with Cosmos, wherever you get your podcasts and, and socials, except for on the Twitters. It's at Drinking Cosmos. So, um, what's Twitter? Wow. I know. So check us out there. Uh, also, we got some friends of the show uh, hey, that we, we like to promote. We do have a couple. Uh, check out Wild Ixia, Wild Ixia on Etsy and her amazing art. We have uh, MrProctorShow.com, Ron Proctor, uh, a, a planetarian out there uh, promoting astronomy and cigar box guitars out into the world. And, of course, our good uh, buddy Jack Northrop, mm. who uh, does the Rolling Bluffs uh, Planetarium and Council Bluffs Iowa, so Southwest Corner. Uh, check out uh, RollingBluffsPlanetarium.com for your Midwest Planetarium fix. Yes, Brandon. 
If you replace Rock Lobster with Ron Proctor, it sounds fantastic in your head. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. I feel like now. Oh, can we? Ron oh. needs like a Photoshop of the Ron Lobster. Uh, well, no, we should get the song from the B 52s We should get the song and dub in Ron Proctor. Ron Proctor. Ron Rock Lobster. There we go. Anyway, how much trouble we get in for doing that? I will. Uh, anyway, uh, if you if you if you're interested, if you prefer uh, more of a short form uh, content than our larger, lengthy diatribes of shenanigans, uh, check out the shot on uh, YouTube and where you get your podcasts. Just a bit, little shooters of astronomy for you down your fifty filling. of them, usually 50. less than ten minutes. Shocks me every time. It's a lot of shots. It's a lot of shots. It's a lot of shots. That's a lot of shots. Always drink responsibly, everybody. 50 shots. <laughs> uh, and of course, during the episode, we do have some uh, rules, if you will. If you hear a dog bark, not a dog whine, because they're going to be whining because they're blocked off. But if you hear a dog bark, take a drink. And if there are any Star Wars or Lord of the Rings references, take a drink on behalf of our nerddom. And uh, new rule today, oh, special rule oh, today. Special, special. When Brandon leaves, he must finish his drink and y'all take a drink because i gotta leave to the airport yes. in like yeah. some minutes here we'll yes see. <laughs> okay all right i like that rule well, you have to let us know uh so i'll just like you... disappear like obi-wan <laughs> <laughs> <Just like, laughs> uh so if you're listening your uh... you're like sweatshirt just drops to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, but we need vader to step on it though um, just to make sure. Uh, yeah, so if you're listening at some point, Brandon will just be like, peace, and then we'll just have a little shuffling about. Uh, so just bear with us during that. But in the meantime, he's here and he's ready. We're all ready to get yeah. high in the sky for February. Cool theme song music. Woo! I can't believe it. sounded it's like that's where we go. <laughs> we should. That would be a good spot for a little. Uh, Rock Fractor! <laughs> <laughs> Um, I can't believe we're in February almost already, or I don't know, it flew, it flew by, uh, and our February constellation highlight, since we're still in winter, we still have the, uh, night, nice bright wintertime constellations up there, like Orion, which we highlighted, uh, in the January high in the sky, uh, so this time we are highlighting Canis Major, Ooh, the big dog, dog or the great dog, as it were. Um, and Canis Major is marked uh, most notably by a very bright star that makes up the nose of the dog or the eye of the dog. Or the nose of the dog. The dog star. In the picture. Yes, yes, the nose. Uh, and that is serious. It's the brightest star Seriously. in the nighttime sky. Yeah. And I'm very serious when I say talk Seriously? about serious. Seriously. Serious sex M. Uh, so <laughs> uh, you can find it easily by using Orion's belt. Uh, if you don't know what Orion looks like or Orion's belt, uh, you can download a star map application for your phone or just Google the constellation. It is very and, obvious and easy to spot. In and if sky. you're listening to this podcast, you know what Orion's belt looks like. <laughs> Yes, but you never know. We want to be you know, fair. We don't know everybody's, you know, uh, knowledge levels of, of astronomy and, and the sky and everything. But anyway, you can find the three stars in Orion's belt and follow it to the east. What's in the east? I did it. Did I do it correctly? Did you I do did the right direction? Yes. yes. I was visualing this last night while I was, like, uh, going to bed on, like, okay, is it west or east? And I was trying to picture it. Because we've been cloudy and rainy, so I haven't been able to <laughs> oh, see no. anything in the sky. Yeah. Uh, so follow Orion's belt to the east, and you'll ru run right into Sirius. Um and uh, its name... You really don't need the belt. I you mean, don't. It's so, it's so bright. bright. It's a very yeah. bright star. It's going to pop out. It's going to pop out there. It is the brightest um, night star, isn't it? It's the brightest star in the nighttime yeah. sky. Yes. Uh, in fact, its name, and I did not know this, means glowing or I scorching. Oh! Yeah. I didn't realize that. That's cool. And it is not just one star, everybody. It's two! Hey! I didn't know that. 
Oh, you I didn't know that? I didn't notice. No. <laughs> I forgot about it. It's a binary star system, which majority of stars actually are binary star yeah. systems. Uh, and this is a binary star system that's made up of a main sequence A star, so a very big, very hot blue star, and a faint white dwarf buddy. Mm -hmm. um, that is basically what our sun will uh, end up as once it runs out of fuel and its yep. uh, outer layers fluff off and its core shrinks down. It will be a white dwarf. Um, can, can we call binary systems buddy systems? Figure <gasps> out? Buddy star systems? Buddy star systems? Yes. They're Sounds buddies. Great. I like it. Oh, wow. make it great. I was not, uh, I did not think that was going to happen. Well. I don't know why. Jack now thinks any rumbling, deep rumbling is like UPS or FedEx or... That's a, <laughs> all right, that's a fair, that's a fair point. Um, okay, so these stars, they orbit each other over... Um, uh, they orbit each other every 50 years. Um, so that's neat. Uh, Some cool science fiction stories going on there. Uh, yeah. In the serious system. That's where the Joker's from. Anyway... <laughs> So, <laughs> the system looks so bright uh, because it's fairly close to us, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's bright. I mean, the A star is a bright star, but if it was really far away, it wouldn't be that bright in the sky, obviously. Distance does play a, a role in how bright it looks in the sky, um, regardless of the star's inherent luminosity. Uh, and it's it's uh, uh, it's only 8.6 light years oh, away. Oh, next door. Yeah, so that's like in the neighborhood, essentially. And it's actually moving closer to our solar system. Yeah, I didn't Holy know shit. I didn't know that either. So Ceres is coming closer. Uh, and it will continue to get brighter over the next uh, 60,000 years. Did, uh, when you were doing the notes uh, research, did mm -hmm. uh, how close is it going to be? Yeah. You know? That was my question. You, you can say I don't know. I didn't. I didn't but do, I didn't, do you know? Do you know who? Do you know who discovered the direction of stars and where they're moving to and from? Steve. No. William Herschel. <laughs> hey, check out our episode on William <laughs> Herschel's out now. Where we get podcasts on YouTube. Uh, so I do not know how close it will end up being. Um, but as a as a side note, interestingly. Uh, in the year 66,270 it will be the South Polar Star. I plan on being here. It will be 1.6 degrees uh, away from the South Celestial Pole. So currently, that's really cool, right? Currently, the South in the Southern Hemisphere, there is no South Pole Star. There's no yeah. star near the South Pole, whereas we have. Um, that is. That's a big movement from where it is mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to basically 90 degrees south. Yeah. That's a big movement. But it's also 60. But it's very close to us. So, yeah. so, so does that mean wow. it will no longer be in the northern hemisphere? No. Oh. oh. No, wait a minute. Hold on. Is yeah. it south or is it north? No, it's it's a summertime. It's so so Sirius is visible yeah. in the southern hemisphere in the, southern the hemisphere. in the summertime. And for us, it's a wintertime visibility so it's it, it's visible from both hemispheres but if it moves because of the earth's procession yeah. it's wobble on its axis that means that yeah it would not it will no longer be visible in the northern wow. hemisphere being the south what a traitor star. yeah get out of here serious how dare you how dare you leave us northerners oh behind as, as somebody at work would say what a uh, shit jumping rat bastard oh, oh that's <laughs> wow, fun wow. that's fun that's very like pirate Right? I feel I like, like that. This is a I pirate. Really called that twice. <laughs> you know what? My drink, I almost had a drink that was called the, um, the something, what was it called? Shit. It was the something bastard. The something oh, shit. Oh, the, uh, suffering bastard. The suffering bastard. Ooh, I almost had that cool, drink. It's like bourbon cool engine and some other stuff in it. But this, I was like, ah. Its current declination is minus 17 degrees. So oh. 17 degrees south. Okay. Okay. But 66,000, that's a big fucking movement. You know, to go from 17 to minus 90, mm -hmm. minus 17 to minus 90. So. Now, I'm I mean, curious. Earth, Earth now, does one wobble every 26,000 years, so that's like... Yeah, right. so, I mean, and that then, helps, but also to be able to make that movement. Mm -hmm. And then also because it is moving towards us and is eight, only eight light years away, wouldn't it be moving faster relative to the other stars as well? It's going to appear to... Yes, yes, yes. appear to move faster. Right, right. Years. So, it's can you imagine, though, like... I, there's going to be a time in somebody's lifetime where they will 
be able to see that Sirius has moved a little tiny bit relative to the background stars. That's well, wild. Well, even if they go back to like Ptolemy, 2,000 years, I'm sure there's the smallest, smallest, smallest. Right, right, right. No, but in a single lifetime. Like, but we have to lifetime. go look at, oh, what would, did the sky look like back then? But in somebody's life, like, in a normal person's lifetime now, we, years, we can't perceive the movement right. of the stars. Like, it's not noticeable right. to us. So, so, we, in essence, see the same stars that right. the ancient Egyptians saw. And that was yeah. like four thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they, now they are kind of in a different place so because like, of the Earth's wobble. It's basically like but, if I'm like ten and I'm like, "Oh, there's a star," and then I'm eighty and I'm like, "Oh shit, it moved." Wait, is that because it's closer to us? Or explain yourself. I'm, I'm not following. Wait, what is it that because it's it's getting closer to us, and it's I think it's a combination of it getting right. close to us and procession. Yes, of course, but right, in my right, lifetime, right. So, I'm not following. Right, so it is uh, relatively close to us. I mean, if, if it is going from minus 17 degrees down right. to minus 90 degrees, roughly, mm-hmm. that's, that is a 73-degree shift. Shift, right. shift in 66,000 years. You're talking about right. basically a degree uh, a year. No, no, that's not right. That's not right. Yeah, I was like, wait a uh, minute. So, uh, let's see. I don't... Yeah, that's a degree so, every thousand years. What's that? That's a, isn't that a degree every 1,000 years? A degree every 1,000 years, so one thousandth of a degree. But it's going, when it gets closer to us, it's going to appear to move quicker. It's still, a thousandth of a degree is pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's going to be getting closer to us, so it's going to move a lot faster. So we'll perceive that motion. So you might be able to more. perceive that it moves oh, a little okay. bit. I'm not saying it's moving like halfway across but the sky. But it could be like a measurable amount. Yeah, it might be mm. definitely kind of maybe just a, if, you, if you're paying attention okay. to it. Yeah. Okay, I'm on board. I but, got you. But it's it's not a big movement mm-hmm. in your lifetime, but it's still yeah. it might be perceivable. Okay. okay. But. You know, I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to look at it in my plantain software and see what happens. <laughs> that'd be because a good experiment. Actually, that'd be a good experiment. Does our yeah. software? Sh- it doesn't show the movement of stars over thousands and thousands yeah. of years. Yeah, it does. It does. It, it does? Yeah, you can. You can. Sh- one million years. And you can see how the constellations will stretch and change and everything. I have a new thing in the show office. Oh, week. you didn't know that? No. <laughs> it's so great. It's so fun. Yeah. All right. You want me to show you how to do it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess you gotta come out here for some training. Deal. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway. so serious. So big deal. Big deal in uh, in uh, Canis Major. You know what else I course. think is is crazy about Sirius? Is the Egyptians use it to um, figure out when the Nile was gonna flow? Oh my god! I totally forgot to put that in. I was gonna put a whole thing about I, it in. I, I totally forgot. I, I, I talked about, about it. For like one minute, I'll do that. I'll do my thing. Ah, yeah. It was uh, basically it was like it's it it signaled uh, when the that the oh okay the Nile's going to be flooding soon. Basically, yeah, yeah. So when you see it in the sky, I think it was when it was first came out of the sun's glare. So the Mm -hmm. first time that you could see it Mm. after it goes from the sun's glare is that. they behaved, and I was going to flood mm-hmm, soon. Mm-hmm. Um, also, dog days of summer. There it is. Is um, related to Sirius because it's the dog star. It's the dog star, but also yes, when's the hottest days of the year for us here in the northern hemisphere? Mm-hmm. It's in August, right? Mm-hmm. Which is when the uh, Sirius is I'm close the to sun. the sun, and people were like, "Hey." Sirius's bright light combines with the sun and makes it hot makes as fuck. It, it doesn't. It doesn't, though, people. It doesn't. It's too far away. We can't feel its heat. But it's a dog days of summer. What did you... Love okay. That. What did you have, Brandon? You had... It was a dog days of summer. It was a dog days of summer. Oh, oh did I steal your... Oh, oh no, no, no. I loved it. You did a, you did a fantastic job. Story. I dare you. All right. Okay, now, we'll now. The dog doesn't have... Or the dog doesn't have just the one star. It's nose. It does have other stars, although they are much dimmer depends in comparison. Depends what dogs you're talking about. Well, <laughs> um, that's, uh, that's a fun astronomy joke, by the way. <laughs> it does have uh, one of the largest known stars, oh. VY, See, I didn't know this. VY Canis Majoris. Uh, this is a red 
hypergiant and a pulsating variable star that's 3,900 light years away. Can, can you say red hypergiant with the dramatic verbosity it deserves? <laughs> it is a... He does this every time. I know. <laughs> I know. A red hypergiant. Excellence. Excellence. Uh, and it's... Okay, it is... 1,420 times the radius of the sun with a, with a volume 3 billion times that wow. of the sun. No, Brandon, I'll, I'll get to your question in a minute. An object traveling at the speed of light would take six hours to travel around the surface, in quotes. That's fucking surface. insane. Surface. Okay, so so just for reference, uh, if you were to travel around the surface, in quotes, of our sun, it would take 14.5 seconds Okay, it takes eight minutes for light from the sun to reach us, and we're 93 million miles away from the sun. So if this star replaced the sun at the center of the solar system, it would extend beyond the orbit of Jupes. Wow. It's a big fucking star. It's a big star. Like, I can't even conceive, nope, like... My my brain breaks. Yeah, when, when our sun is at its biggest... Uh, the, the question is, will the Earth be inside of it? Yeah, will it make it to the Earth's orbit? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's... So this oh is God. like... Okay, hold my beer. Yeah, we're oh, going you want to talk big? Jupiter. You want to talk about big stars? <laughs> we're going past Jupiter. What's the mass of it, do you know? I did not look up the mass, but oh, it's going to be real I'm massive. Hoping, well, it's got to be huge, right? <laughs> so, yeah, real massive, what's going to be? Real massive. It's a Can you imagine term. when this thing goes bada-boom? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be fun. I wish a I big bada boom. A big bada boom. Big bada boom. Big bada boom. All right. So, uh, uh, you know, actually, I, I put these out of order. So before we get to the mythology of Canis Minor, okay. um, uh, sure. Major, I'm just going to, there is a Canis Minor, by the way, the the little dog. It's right uh, it's above, line. it's straight above it's uh, the big dog. And it's just two stars. Yeah. Just Interestingly two stars. enough, you can also use Orion to find it. Uh-huh. Uh, His shoulders. Bellatrix to Beetlejuice hit, gets you the mm-hmm. uh, Procyon. Procyon or Procyon, however you, you want to call it. That's the brightest star in the little dog. Hey, Jack's with us now. Hey. Oh, Jack. I was like, how did he get past the gate? <laughs> <laughs> Human Jack. Human Jack. Oh, it's not big. It's just fluffy. Oh, view I can't yeah. see. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know. Uh, Real hot is it, Then is it at the, is it not on the main sequence? I'm assuming no, then it's it's no, off the main sequence. Off the main it's it's, it's fluffing out those layers. Right, so your pulsating stars generally are not going to be on the main sequence. Oh, it's not yes, big. Okay. It's not big. That's it's just fair. fluffy. It's just not big. It's fluffy. I'm not big. I'm just fluffy. Let's not, yeah. let's, like let's not side shame like this. Okay. This star. No. We don't. We accept stars of all sizes and fluffinesses and temperatures and luminosities. Uh, because I'm V.Y. Canis. Oh, stop. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh. Anyway. Okay. Deep within Canis Major, there are deep sky objects, of course. Not And, and you know, the constellations, just a reminder, it's not like these objects are in the constellation. It's not like the stars that are in the constellation are all together. Uh, you know, I mean, some constellations, you do have stars that are together, you know, but most of them are, you know, tens to hundreds to thousands of light years apart from each other. And right. the same goes for deep sky objects. They're, you know, millions, thousands, you know, whatever. They're not actually like, they're just in this location of the sky. We use the constellations as a map, you know, exactly. to help us find shit that's in the sky, basically. Are we body shaming stars? We know. We're Astrometry. Not. We don't. We don't body shame. All right, so uh, the Milky Way, the band in the Milky Way, actually cuts through the big uh, the big dog, and it has many open clusters. One of those is NGC twenty three sixty. I did this for Brandon. What is it, Brandon? <laughs> What's that cluster? It's Caroline's cluster. Yes. Uh huh. Named after Caroline Herschel, who discovered it. So check out our episode on the Herschels out now, wherever you get your podcast. That was, a, that was a great episode. It was really fun. Um, it's an open cluster of stars, so it's a bunch of stars that are that are like bound together through gravity, but loosely being a, a, an open cluster. So like uh, a fellowship of stars. It's bound a fellowship. Together. Yeah. Yeah. And they're around fifteen. Oh, that's interesting. I was going to say. <laughs> Uh, they're around 15 light years in diameter, and it's located 3,700 light years away from Earth and has been dated to be around 2.2 billion years old. Okay, question, query. Yes, response. 
V Y Canis Majoris, mm-hmm. the red hypergiant, uh-huh. is only two thousand light years away from that. Is it associated in any kind of way? No, I don't think so. Thank you. Space is big. But I mean, because it's relatively close. I to don't it in the sky. know, but I'm it's, assuming. I mean, it's relatively close to it in the sky. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't know. I don't have that answer for you. You have to know. I don't. You're the expert. The space is big. The space is big, people. Also in the big dog is NGC 2359, also known as Thor's Helmet. Hey! Or also the Duck Nebula. But Thor's Helmet! Thor's Helmet! Uh, it's a relatively bright emission nebula, uh, and uh, it's about 10,000 light years from Earth. So when you Google, Google Thor's Helmet Nebula... Um, and it does look legitimately like that old school yep. Thor's helmet with like the wings and everything. No, if, if um, Marvel didn't put that in the movie, they missed out. And it's uh, they did at one point. There was like a little nod. Oh, to it. They, they did have it. Yeah, it was like there was yeah, a that, there was that a was nod during to it. the fight with Hulk in the third one. Yeah, yeah, yeah they they nodded to it. So, uh, but the nebula is shaped this way by HD five six nine two five. Which is an unstable wolf rayet star that's embedded yes. within it. And that these sounds are the, so cool. These are the hottest types of stars. So they have all this energy. There you go, yeah. All this energy that's fluffy that's that's coming off of them and kind of uh, uh, it, the wind, the solar winds of this star basically shaping all this gas around it. Uh, oh, Jack says they showed it during the uh, Bifrost jump. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. So so our big dog, uh, it is a, a worthy uh, area of observation with uh, telescopes and, and what have you. And something yeah. just to check out when you've got clear skies at night during the cold winter months. You know what we don't have? Clear skies. Clear skies. You do have clear skies. <laughs> now, of course, with all constellations, there tends to be, or with most constellations, I'll say, there tends to be some mythology uh, surrounding them, behind them. You know, uh, people for, since people had eyes, have been looking at the sky and imagining shit up there, making up stories. and Usually after drinks. Usually can't, after usually drinks? After usually after drinks? Is that historically known? Is that... <laughs> can dogs see stars? They should be able to. I don't see why not, because they can look up. <laughs> Bollocks! But it's the, it's the turkeys that can't, right? Nice reference. Isn't it the turkey? But, uh, but, yeah, they should be able to see it. Yeah. That makes me uh, happy. Do they care or pay attention or go, huh? Mm-hmm. I, we don't know. You know, we the thing know. is, though, is they probably have all the physics in the universe figured out, and they're like, we don't need that's, to I feel like that's dolphins. I thought, was, I thought that was cats. Oh, well, also cats. We don't well, give a shit. It's no. definitely Poe. No, it's, it's just cats. Dolphins. Dolphins have the universe figured out. Cats just want they to. They know how to run the universe. They want to They have, they have their everybody. rule. Yeah. Queen, Queen Poe. Um, all right. So mythology of our big dog. Um, there's. Anyway. Okay. I'm not going to. In Mesopotamia, uh, it was actually Cock Seesaw which was an arrow aiming towards Orion. Of course, not known as Orion to the Mesopotamians, uh, but I didn't uh, look up what Orion What's the name of it? Nope. Thank you. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, you can Google it. Uh, for the Greeks, <laughs> gr- the Greeks, of course, is where we get our most familiar stories or mythology with the constellations. Um, and there's there's always like a billion different stories when it comes to the Greeks and what they you know, saw it as. So one is that it's uh, a dog named Lelaps, which was a gift from Zeus to Europa. Uh, otherwise, it's more commonly seen as uh, uh, one of Orion's hunting dogs, along with Canis Minor. Um, and actually, Canis Minor was a Roman addition, which I didn't realize. So um, oh, really? the Romans actually added Canis Minor in there. Well, they fucked that one up. <laughs> uh, and, and they're either, these hunting dogs are helping him hunt Lepus the Hare, which is also in the vicinity of these constellations, or helping Orion fight Taurus the Bull. Which I really like, the, the latter. Fighting Taurus the Bull. Yeah, because it really is like a just a because we don't want to hunt bunnies. Yeah, but you're Canis Minor. You're basically Jack at that point. It's a little wiener dog in the sky. I'm not gonna have Jack. Listen to that bark. Well, listen to that bark. No, but no, I I like. That's why that's when Leia comes in as Canis Major. Oh, with her chompers. Leia Leia is definitely Canis Major. So (laughs) um, we have Canis Major and Minor. 
Can we add that to their names? <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow, Canis Major, Davis yeah. and George. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the middle name. Canis yes. Minor, Davis and George. <laughs> General Leia Organa, Canis Major, Major, Davis, Davis and George. And George. <laughs> I, I would just love to see the vet, uh, the vet the just write that on the board. Right I got some Aviga Montoya going on there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, aside from the Greeks, in China... It was, uh, Canis Major was part of the Vermilion Bird, and its stars were classified as part of several different constellations, with Sirius called Tianglang, the Celestial Wolf. Hey. Which sounds Just nice. as a side note, uh-huh. um, Vermilion Bird um, just brings up anxiety and, and just... Oh. Because... Uh, at my place of employment, okay. one of the projects I had to work on was oh, Chinese asterisms. Oh. That was one of them. <laughs> and it was. So you have like PTSD. That was a project. From... Yeah, the, that was the, a project. Yeah, the Chinese uh, uh, constellations and asterisms, they're, they're a lot. It's a lot. There's, there's over 200. There's long. kingdoms involved. I mean, it is, in, and it is intensely detailed. Yeah, um, and that just goes to I would say the um, the richness and depth of Chinese yeah. culture. Yeah, because we're just like those two stars look like a dog. <laughs> I know, <laughs> guys. What's that look like? We're gonna call oh. this one. I, I really the hope, Great Southern Triangle. <laughs> I really hope Ramsey's actually listened to this at some point. Who goes by the American name David, but or 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 Super Date <laughs> in email, but Ramsey. Um, if you're listening to this and you put up the vermilion bird, I made that. Hey, there you go. Um, uh, moving away from China, uh, Maori hey. peoples of New Zealand uh, call it the Assembly of Rehua, uh, which uh, included both major and minor uh, dogs and some of the surrounding stars. Sirius is called uh, both uh, Rehua and Takarua. And in Australia, the Thurumba people of the Shoalhaven River, uh, they see it as Wanbula the Bat and his two wives, Marumbul, uh, Mrs. Brownsnake, <gasps> and Mutha, Mrs. Blacksnake. That's excellent. Really funny, this part. Uh, and so this little, funny, this little story that they have yeah. apparently is that uh, this, the Miss, Mrs. Uh, Brownsnake and Mrs. Blacksnake, they were both uh, uh, bored of following their husband around. And so they tried to bury him while he was hunting a wombat down okay. in his hole. Um, oh. But uh, uh, they weren't successful, so he spears them, and all three are placed in the sky as the constellation Munora. Uh, uh, so basically, huh. what we're learning with this is that when spouses are tired of the other spouse, mm-hmm. murdering them seems to be universal. Yeah, in so yeah, history. the onion, seven onion sister. Well, they don't so, try to murder them; yeah. they just leave them. So Murrumbool and Utha, they are the original Dixie chicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye, Earl. Ah, but Thanks, they weren't successful. Nice country music. They weren't successful, though. So, let's get to your mom real quick. Oh, Interesting oh. that different civilizations all made up stuff about stars. Yes. I mean, I mean, Every just... society, every culture had a story. They, they made up their own pictures uh-huh. with the stars. With how it relates to them and their way of life. Because mm-hmm. we're, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And our brains all function in basically the same biological way. And so, we try to understand the world around us by interpreting the world that's around us right. and how it relates to our specific, mm-hmm. you know, cultures and traditions and what mm-hmm. have you. And right. as a way to, I mean, in early civilizations, it's not only used as timekeeping and, uh, uh, you stories, know, but as a way, morality. you know, but wraps into the, okay, we know oh, over the years at this time of the year that this is when the rains are going to happen. So we yeah, tie in the these, these. I mean, it's it's these, much watched TV. Yeah, these traditions around it and these stories around to explain why this happens when it does, or to you know uh, we want to ha- we do dances around this time to hope that this still happens right. every year. You know, to hope Just that we get what should happen. A quick uh, detour, shortcut to mushrooms. <gasps> shortcut to what? Uh, we have lots of mushrooms that pop up in our oh, yeah. Um <laughs> So every society, every culture came up with their own constellations and stuff like that. And you hit on, like, you know, why they did it. But mm-hmm. the reason why 
It, it's so messed up. The reason why that when we talk about constellations, it's usually Greek constellations. Yeah, white people. Is, is yes, because of white people. So a bunch of white people got together and they're like, "How are we going to name this? How are we going to name all these things?" Um, so they decided constellations would be named after the Greek constellations. Well, planets would be named after the Roman gods. Yes. Um, stars would be Arabic. There's probably other stuff. But. And, uh, there's largely a good, uh, and because there's a, 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 record, a, a ro more robust record from the Greeks of the constellations or of star names from uh, Arabic culture. And during the time when the star, the sky was sort of officially being mapped out, it was, uh, you know, a, a period in European history uh, where the ancient classics from Rome and Greece were being revived during the Enlightenment, where they're bringing back right. and they're looking nice. for all these uh, nice. uh, historical sources from them. Like, it was a huge, like, it was a fad. It was a fad. Greek and Rome, ancient Greek and Rome became a fad, and so it was like, let's do everything in Greek, and then it stuck right. that way, of course. Well, I, so I, coming I, in strong with history back then. I do just want to say, though, that there's... I don't know how to put it any other way other than there is a racism involved in this. Because if you if you look at the history of writing stuff down, the Chinese go much further back than the Greeks do. And so... Yeah, but how accessible was that material to... <laughs> I think, I would say at the point where they, they decided all this crap was that it was probably pretty accessible. They decided... Right, but we can't, I mean, we're too far, it's too far back for us to really know the intentions or the whatever, and well, just no, that no, this it was. is all recent. No, yeah. no, the, the, the Chinese constellations are Greeks, the planets are Romans. Well, they basically just took what had been talked, what had been decided upon for years and was like, let's solidify this in because it's what's already known. The, you know? the whole naming convention in astronomy is just messed up. Right, okay. We, we need a whole episode anyway. of that soon. So, but I mean, there is, like yeah. A shot. I mean, and so with that, it feels like it's a good transition because I'm going to finish my drink now and get off to the airport hey! to install planetariums around the world. Hey, cheers right. so we got to drink. Brandon drinking. We're drinking with Brandon. Hmm. Mm. Actually, I can finish my drink too. All right. Safe right. flights, safe out. journeys. Cheers. I will hopefully see y'all in Hangover. Or, All right. You know, message or you. Message us. Be on chat yeah. for it. All right. Yes. Bye. We just switch over. Okay. Cheers. All right. One of my favorite, this is from uh, Federica. One of my favorite lines defining human beings, a talent in finding patterns, but not context. Yes. Constellations are a perfect example. Yes. They are. Yes. I, but yeah, humans, we are very good at finding, like that's our thing, right? Is pattern recognition. Like that's our, yeah. you know, um, and everything like that. Uh, we have any African civilizations. There's yes. And you know what? I, you know, we are at fault. We are at fault on this show for not... Whenever I'm, like, doing research, I mean, I'm not... It's not like I'm doing in-depth, like, going into the archives of libraries to find... You know, I'm, I'm doing it in kind of a lazy way, to be honest. Um, uh, but none of, like, the resource... Like, they'll highlight, yeah. highlight non-Western, and it's usually Mesopotamian and Chinese and some indigenous peoples stuff, but not a lot of African stuff comes up at all, actually. And I feel like that is a good point you bring up, Mom, because I've never even really thought about to, like, dig deep into what are the African constellations or stories behind right. them. So I think that on a future show, maybe the next High in the Sky, let's highlight something that is uh, known in African culture. Yeah, maybe we just don't do any Greek constellations and it's just all... Well, I think we, we, need to to, we need it. to introduce it because that's what is, you know... Right. Uh, but, the common, you know, thing. But, but you do, I mean, right, but you do have Mesopotamia, Chinese, Maori, Australia, which is going to be the Aboriginal people. Well, and yeah, so, I try to hit, like, the, you know, the indigenous, some indigenous stuff, but I've never, I don't think we've ever really, excuse me, it's the drinks, touched on, like, an African culture. Um, and and there's just, many different African cultures. Right, but there's also so many societies and cultures across the world Aztec, Inca, yeah, people but we've in talked Thailand. about those. Is what I'm right, saying. Right. Those are the most common no, no, known that we talk about. Okay. Um, all right. So let's uh, move on to some other stuff that's going to be in the sky. That's not 
const uh, the constellations constellation uh, uh but some planets and some events that will be in the february sky uh for planets of course uh jupes still hanging out still good to see uh in the night sky throughout the month of uh where are we february um <laughs> <laughs> uh, bright and beautiful. Uh, Jupes is uh, sitting pretty up there. And on 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 Valentine's Day or Valentine's evening, Jupiter actually has a date with the moon. Hey. So the moon and Jupiter are going to be relatively close together. Um, so you can check them out on Valentine's Day. Go outside. You got a date. Or if you don't have a date and you have a date with yourself, hey. go check out Jupiter's date with the moon. Like Saturn. Uh yeah, Saturn, Saturn, uh, all by its lonesome. In fact, Saturn is only going to be visible until uh, Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. And then it sets and will be... Uh, 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 it, it, it sets and it'll be, yeah, uh, too early for observation at night. Um, so I guess it's meeting the sun for its own date for the rest of the month. I mean, that's a bigger date, though. Yeah, it's true. Last longer. Yeah. February 20th, 24th, Venus and Mars are hanging out in the southeast in the early morning hours, but on the 22nd, they will be 0.6 degrees apart. Which isn't All right, so this is known as a, it's not, it's known as a planetary conjunction, because from our uh, point of view, they look like they're really close together. What is it, the moon's half a degree? Sure. Yes. I think it's half a degree. Uh, but they're going to be, yeah, they're going to be really close uh, together. So that'll be something to check out on the 22nd. Well, through the 20, 20th and 24th, uh, but the 22nd for that, that closest uh, approach of them. Uh, as far as the other events go, on February 8th is the Alpha Centaurids meteor shower, which is a minor meteor shower. And being that it's the Alpha Centaurids, I assume it's in the Southern Hemisphere. Um uh, because Cent Centaurus is more mm -hmm. of a Southern Hemisphere constellation. Mm -hmm. uh, and then on, on uh, the 24th of February is a full moon. And this month's uh, full moon is known as the Snow Moon hey. due to the heavy snowfall in February. Unless you're in Oregon. Yeah. Well, unless you're in where we live in Oregon. Uh, but other names are the Make Branches Fall Into Pieces Moon. I like that. <laughs> Which I thought was... I like that, yeah. actually. That uh, seems appropriate seems for appropriate that, The ice storm that Oregon really yeah. recently had. Uh, the raccoon moon and the hunger moon. I, mean, I don't know about the raccoon moon. If they just come they're out cute. more... I love raccoons. They are cute. They are very cute. No. They're little, they're little you know, trash pandas, but they they're are cute. cute. Um, all right. Astronomy news. Uh, news. You should news. do it in the 1930s news. language. Oh, right, right, okay, hold on. Ba -da -ba 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 -ba. This just in, astronomy news, the latest here on Cosmos with Cosmos. We have Pandora's box has been opened. Uh, <coughs> I mean, the Osiris Rex sample container has been opened. Osiris Rex, of course, was a mission that launched to planet to asteroid Bennu uh, to collect samples and bring them back to Earth so that we may study what asteroids are made of in the early solar system uh, conditions uh, back then in the day. How did you like it? Was that, <laughs> that was right. beautiful. You're welcome. Uh, so, OSIRIS-REx, which is the Origins Spectral Interpretation Resource Identification and Security Regolith Explorer. They're stretching sometimes with these yeah. names. They are stretching. Uh, it was launched in September of 2016 to collect samples from asteroid Bennu. Um, and it uh, recently just returned dropping off that uh, capsule of asteroid material on September 2023. Mm. Um, the the uh, spacecraft itself did not come back with the samples it's uh still hanging out it was like here's your materials and it flew on back oh, out no. there and it's gonna go uh hit up the asteroid apophis Ooh. and uh check it out and study it and see what's going on with uh with apophis well in 2029 it was like at first it was like oh it might be a ooh because yeah, they thought it yeah, might hit us but it's not gonna hit us it's fine it's hit us uh so it dropped off the sample um and <laughs> They had trouble opening it. Uh, apparently, there was a couple of fasteners that were just being real stubborn uh, and not wanting to uh, to, to open. Um, 
the the fasteners didn't want to stop fastening, basically. No. Uh, and so the Astro Materials Curation Team, which, by the way, what a cool team name to be on. Astro Materials. Hey, what do you do? I'm on the Astro Materials Curation Team. I know, right? <laughs> like, uh, like, that's cool. Uh, so, uh, they, uh, they got it opened on January. So <laughs> September through January, <laughs> they were trying to open this motherfucker. Uh, and so, uh, the next step is basically to prepare the material, um, to, uh, go into sample trays where they will then be like weighed and photographed and stored at Johnson Space Center. Um, and then, uh, people institutions whatever they can then file to like uh do science on on the samples they can uh apply to study them basically Um, they've collected 2.48 ounces uh from the sample um and they had a goal of 2.12 ounces so they collected more asteroid material than they thought they were going to which is great um and uh so that catalog of samples will be released later this year for study of them so we can study basically asteroids they are they're remnants from the early solar system they're like these pure remnants of what the solar system was like you know four Four and a half billion years ago ago. yeah so it's it's uh they're they're important to study to see like what it was like and how things evolved and how things changed nine billion years after this uh big bang nine billion years after the big bang baby all right. Uh, we got an update next uh, for Japan's slim spacecraft. We talked about the slim spacecraft in the past couple high in the skies. This is supposed to be basically a, a new way. Uh, it was a test of really accurate precision landing on the moon. Uh, because typically when the spacecrafts have landed on the moon, it's been like, oh, well, we hope to land here. But sometimes it lands way over there. Right. Um, so this was a test of a really accurate targeting targeted landing system. And it, it, overall, it was successful. It did what it was supposed to do, being that it landed where they intended to land it. However, it did, um, like, tip over and, and land on its nose. Right, so nosedive. It nosedived. It took a nosedive. It landed correctly, uh, but nosedived. It had a few problems then by landing on its node, meaning that it was basically, it landed 90 degrees rotated from where it needed to be, and so the solar panels were not able to charge the spacecraft. Uh, It wasn't able to get the power that it needed, and so they had to shut it down. But hope remains while the spacecraft remains true. Take a drink, everybody. Uh, and they hope that they will be able to regain power to it, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, we don't know if they will. Um. Don't get, don't get some power to Don't get some power. Uh, here's a fun piece of news that I thought from, uh, fizz.org. Uh, Milky Way may have less dark matter than previously thought. Mm, interesting. interesting. Especially when that's going to dovetail into two weeks from now. Um, a long time ago in a galaxy... Not far away. We're in it. Take a drink. Hey. Uh, um, and it was the 70s. It was the 70s. So not that long ago either. But a woman known as... Vera Rubin. Mm-hmm, uh, was the first to observe that galaxies rotate in a way that can't be produced by physical matter, matter alone. So essentially, there is more mass in the Milky Way galaxy and other galaxies that cannot be seen, that has to be there, that's causing the galaxy to essentially, uh, where the stars uh, are, are, are maintaining a constant velocity the further they out from the core. Right, right. They, they're moving faster than they should. Right, basically, okay, okay, okay. Down to. But if you want to learn more about Vera Rubin, in two weeks we're going to do a show on her. Yeah. So the, the question is, uh, you know, the question at the time was, well, what the fuck? What the fuck is it? Why? What is the, what is there that is causing the stars not to, you know, slow down when they should be slowing down further out from you, the center you know of the galaxy? Is we still asking? We don't know. We don't have a fucking clue what it is. We don't know. And so, therefore, we know that it's extra mass. Uh, and so, because we don't know what that mass is, it's called dark matter. Right. <laughs> um, so, new studies using the Gaia satellite 
uh, measure the circular velocity, so basically the, the, the orbital velocity, of about 30,000 stars, and it shows that the velocity remains flat, remains constant, until a certain point away from the center, and then stars are actually starting to slow down uh, uh, further than they thought they should be slowing down with the amount of dark matter that has been previously uh, hypothesized mm -hmm. to exist in the galaxy. And um, these stars that they're seeing that are slowing are at the galaxy's edge. They're about 100,000 uh, light years from the core of the Milky Way so they're galaxy. they're pretty far out. So they're really far out. So, so this is weird. Something funky is going on. Um, and, and it's not a mild decline in velocity. It's like a sharp drop. Like they, they slow immensely, uh, dramatically, right. um, essentially. Um, and so what does this mean? We don't know. More research is needed. And, and currently it's like, okay, then there is less dark matter in the Milky Way then than or, previously thought yeah, is a the possibility. Distribution is the distribution is different than what is thought. So, so less and less and a different distribution. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, basically, what that means is we don't know shit about our own Milky Way. Like we, we still have our our own galaxy is continuing to surprise us and confuse us, and um, and we love it because that just means we have more to study and more to learn. Um, yeah, we just need to understand what dark matter is. Yeah. It's easier said than done. But, uh, clearly, because we don't know how Right, even... and so it's, uh, how, how, yeah. All right. But in two weeks, two weeks we'll uh -huh. learn more about it. Uh, also from Fizz.org, I actually got most of uh, articles from Fizz.org, but um, this is the exact physics, title. It, it's, it's physics. It's, it's a physics, physics. Uh, website. Yeah. And uh, This is the exact title from fizz.org because I thought it was really funny and I enjoyed it. So the title is of this article, Old Smokers and Squalling Newborns Among Hidden Stars Spotted for the First Time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to, like, this seems like a, like a Hollywood uh, title. <laughs> like, like old Smokers. Old Smokers. All right, so basically... Uh, what this means is that we're seeing some shit that we haven't been we haven't seen before. We haven't spotted them before. We haven't observed these types of stars uh, before, basically. So, an old smoker is a nickname, I guess, being given to a new site, new type of like super old star that resides at the center of our galaxy, and it it it's a really old star. So it's like. It's basically like a dead star that's fading away. It's 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 uh, uh, radiating away uh, like all its energy and eventually just fades into almost invisibility before suddenly puffing out clouds clouds of smoke. Mm. Uh, hence the name. Uh, and and they don't know how these puffs of smoke happen. It's basically like an injection of matter, but they don't know. Like, what exactly is causing it? And this research was led uh, by Professor Philip Lucas at the University of Hertfordshire. Gotta be British. Gotta be in the Hertfordshire. UK. Uh, it's an international team. Um, they monitored almost one billion stars in infrared light over the past ten years. See, science takes a long fucking time, people. Uh, and he says that, however, the discovery of a new type of star that throws off matter could have wider significance to the spread of heavy elements in the nuclear disk and metal-rich regions of our galaxy. Um, so it's kind of, uh, uh, you know, looking at um, uh, the evolution of stars and kind of the material that makes up there. A lot of in the central of the galaxies are where a lot of the older stars right. do reside. Um, so it's looking at that distribution of matter. Um, so they also in the study detected dozens of newborn stars, also known as proto stars. So these are like it's the proto stars are hard to observe. We can't really observe them because they're usually shrouded in a cloud of dust and right. gas or cocoon their womb if mm -hmm. you will, as they collect material and get hotter and hotter and hot enough to then begin nuclear fusion and ignite, which then blows off their womb of a cocoon and they reveal themselves to, to us. To the rest of the universe. To the universe as, you know, newborn as stars, okay? But uh, while, they're, while they're forming, 
um, you know, we don't really see them. And so what they're observing is that is that these protostars are going through like extreme outbursts as they collect material from their cocoon of gas and dust. Um, and so like, like as that material falls on them, it's causing these sort of like outbursts of energy, you know, these like explosions, if you will, that are happening. And they, these outbursts can last for months or years or decades. And so they found 32 erupting protostars, wow. so to speak. Wow. Um, and so it's, it, it lends, sheds light on how stars form. But then also with all these eruptive outbursts, you know, like how do planets form through that? Because it's a very volatile environment. Right. Mm-hmm. 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 Should we get to the moment? Oh, you just want to speed right past a lot of things. You think well, we're going too we can, long? We can, yeah, we've gone a little long. And, and we can get to those. Uh, in the, in oh, the hangover. All right. Okay, let's do that. We can do that. All right. Who's leading the show? It's not me. Uh, <laughs> all right. So more news to be in the hangover. So check out the hangover. We will go to the in memoriam. It's not. We don't have an in memoriam every high in the sky. Thank fucking goodness though yes but this time we do and we so two. we have two our first in memoriam cheers to ingenuity the best little copter that could ingenuity that's bad timing on my word ingenuity is the first aircraft on another planet mm-hmm. the first flying object that we've had that we just were like, let's fly some shit on another, on another planet. planet. All right, it came. Let it, that sink in for a second. Yeah, it arrived on Mars with the Perseverance rover, uh, and really, it was a test of the technology of the capabilities. And it was supposed to do like, it was supposed to only do um, like five test flights over the course of a month. Um, and Curiosity ended up doing ingenuity. S- sorry. <laughs> There's so many fucking Mars robots <laughs> with the similar type names. Um, Ingenuity ended up doing 72 <laughs> flights over the past, what, three years now that yeah. it's been there? 72 flights. It holds the record, of course, because it's the only, it's the only one. It's the only one. It's the only spacecraft to fly on another planet. Unfortunately, recent observations of Ingenuity show that one or more of its rotor blades has been broken. Yeah, and it can't fly. And it can't fly, so its mission has come to an end. Uh, I mean, just like Mars exploration, though, our rovers and shit tend to last a lot longer than they're supposed to, so this is a huge win. NASA knows what it's doing. They're like, hey, it's only going to last for three weeks. NASA knows their shit. And then when it lasts for like it's it's like years, in Star Trek, like, it's like a Scotty, Scotty. Uh, you know, or or LaForge when they're like, "How long will it take?" Yeah, and they're Scotty like, talking to LaForge, uh huh. And it's like you know, you tell them, yeah. Like, Scotty's like, "How long is it really going to take?" Yeah. So so Scotty <laughs> asks LaForge how some how long something's going to take to fix, and LaForge gives him the answer uh-huh. like say ten hours, we'll say. Uh-huh. And then Scotty's like, "Oh, so how long is it really going to take?" And LaForge goes. 10 hours and and Scotty's like you didn't tell the captain that did you <laughs> uh-huh. yeah so you say longer so it makes like it look yeah. like you get shit done you faster look, you gotta look like a miracle worker uh-huh uh-huh um so it's uh uh it's first flight on Mars was April 19th 2021 um it uh basically uh 10 feet 10 feet. Um, it's it's gotten as high as 24 meters. Its longest flight was 149.7 seconds. On um, Mars? On Mars. On Mars. Of all places. On Mars. This is not on Earth somewhere. This yeah. is on Mars which, um, with a much thinner atmosphere. Yeah, to all the Earth drones, Ingenuity's like, hold my fucking beer. I know, right? <laughs> you guys don't know, you don't know shit. Our next and last in memoriam is to... Arno Penzias. Uh, Arno uh, Penzias um, may uh, be familiar. Penzias and Wilson. Very first shot, by the way. Uh, it, oh, was it one of our very, very, first, first very first shot? Uh, basically, they discovered uh, the cosmic microwave background 
radiation, the CMB, basically the, 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 as close as we can observe to the Big Bang. Yep. Um, and they won a Nobel Prize in Physics in 1978 for discovering this. Accidentally. And Mike way. will give a little recap of the discovery. <laughs> all right, so Big Bang happens, right? And so. Which is not a Big Bang at all, it's a misnomer. It's more like a. <laughs> just an eruption of just space a, and time a... and energy. Things exist. <laughs> God, it sounds so religious. But anyway, <laughs> um, all right. So, the, you know, in the Einstein comes up with the general theory of relativity. One of the things that eventually comes from that is, hey, the universe started with a Big Bang. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, there's a lot of points between Einstein and that, but mm -hmm. that's, yeah. we get there. And... Um, it, it came out that, hey, there has to be an afterglow from this big explosion, quote-unquote explosion, mm -hmm. that caused the creation of the universe. And there were astronomers Would that were looking like for Would this be like a it. universal orgasm? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and so there were... Gotta get those old smokers out. Right, I know, right? <laughs> Lisa squabbling, uh, what is it, Lisa Lisa squabbling. Yeah, old smokers with theirs. <laughs> right, so there were actually astronomers that were building telescopes to look for this background radiation mm -hmm. from the mm -hmm. uh, creation of the universe, mm -hmm. the Big Bang. And there were two um, guys at Bell Labs in New Jersey, and they have this big telescope that basically looks like one of those horns that, like, you know, from the 1800s that people put oh, in their ear. Oh, yeah, when they so couldn't they can hear, hear anything, it's like a... Yeah. That's what what was that, dearie? I know. Can you please speak into my heart? Exactly. And so they were getting this hiss, this just low-level background hiss, Mm -hmm. Um, oh, okay, good. Um, and, um, they couldn't get rid of that. They could not explain it away. No right. matter what. They aimed it at New York City or New Jersey. Uh -huh. So it was across the river from New York. Mm -hmm. And they aimed it at it to try to remove it. They, what did they think it was inside? What did they find inside of the telescope? They, they, they thought maybe it was Brandon's drink. White, White dielectric material. Which means. Pigeon shit. Pigeon shit. And so they swept that all out and got, and, um, the guy that was at a university nearby, mm -hmm. um, he had found out, um, that, all right. So Penzias and Wilson had found out that, um, that astronomers were looking for this echo of the big bang mm -hmm. and they felt like they found it. And so they published it really quick. Um, yeah, and, the first to publish is the one yeah. that gets the credit. So. There was, and I can't remember his name, but there was, listen to the shot, and I'll give you his name, but uh, there was, at a local, at a nearby university, not very far, he found out about it. He talked to them and found out about it, and he told his crew, well, we've been scooped. <laughs> and he was putting all of his time and effort in building a radio telescope to find it. Uh -huh. and All you needed was one that was already there, yeah. covered in pigeon shit. So, I, I don't want to minimize um, Penzias and uh, Wilson's discovery because it is monumental. Accidental. They do deserve it. Accidental. They do deserve that. it, but it was so accidental. And but, they got a Nobel Prize for it. I mean, I feel like that's a lot of what science is, is like accidental kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a fair amount. There's a fair amount of accidental stuff that In fact, there, there was an accidental one when we go to the hangover uh, that was kind of an accident in a news article that I found on, on something that they... So, yeah, I mean, here, here's Dependius, 90 and years old. He passed away on January 22nd, and neither one of us knew he was still alive. <laughs> I think because we, we just assumed, I, you know, we just assumed like, oh, this happened. Well, but you know what's weird is I usually generally, I generally um, think that some of these uh, characters from history are dead, generally. Yeah. 
most characters from history are dead, to be fair. Right. I, I <laughs> never assumed that with Pentheus oh, and Wilson. Really? Because you're a note that says he was still alive? Question that, mark? That, that oh, is, Brandon did that. Brandon had it. Brandon there was, okay. there was a third person to this trio. <laughs> okay. I forgot. He left already. He's on a plane. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no. I, be, because, I, I want to say it's because... The Nobel Prize that he received with Wilson has happened in my lifetime, so mm. so now I just kind of assume that some of these people are still alive. Um, Ooh, Jack says one year after Nobel Prize in Science, most end up. I'm gonna say I think he meant dead, <laughs> not death. Wow, <laughs> that's like the the King Tut um, curse. Maybe they've been caught in a dimension gap. I'm just gonna give a couple examples where that did not happen. <laughs> okay, Kip Thorne. All right. Pentheus uh, and Wilson. Uh, I wonder if Kip. Einstein, I wonder if Kip Thorne or... and Rip Torn ever got together in their life. <laughs> Can you imagine? Just a little, a little dinner meeting with Kip Thorne and Rip Torn. It'd just be I... fun. It'd just be fun. The Kip Rip, you Kip know, Rip team. It would be great if they were married, but but Kip Kip's Kip's married somebody else. I. I'm sure. Right, Rip, anyway. Rip, I'm sure Rip Torn was married to somebody else too. I don't know. That'd be great. I don't know. All right. All right. So uh, we've had some losses in 2024 so far. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Are you going to correct my year? No. Like, wait. <laughs> no, because it's just. Uh, wait. Wait a minute. 2024. Yes. 2024 is where we're at. Uh, we're almost into February. We'll be in February by the time I put this up on actual, uh, you know, not the live um, stuff. Um, but still, sorry, the dogs are making sounds, uh, but still a lot of exciting stuff going on, a lot of exciting, uh, research and things to see. Uh, of course, uh, check out the hangover, uh, following the show and will be uploaded, uh, is uploaded a week after our normal shows that you can check out. And we're going to talk about a couple other articles that were, uh, in the news. Torn was married three times. Of course he was. Of course he was. And you I know, do, I'm going to want to address your mom's question about dark matter and hangover. Yeah, you will. Because, oh, oh, all right. Yeah. You get the fa- this is when Fancy Physics Man gets excited. Anyway, that's our high in the sky for February 2024. Follow us on all the things. Cosmos thing. with Cosmos on pretty much everything except the Twitters, which is at Drinking Cosmos. You can find us on Spotify. I guess Google Podcast is going away. Uh, but Apple Podcasts, I guess they're just turning into YouTube. I don't know, but YouTube right. primarily. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next time. Cheers, everybody. See you in two weeks. Bye. Bear Ruben. <laughs>